hand and the gratisito because we are grateful for all the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Hey, my name is Brett Machat. I'm the worship pastor here at Life Community Church. If you haven't figured it out yet, we love singing in English and in Spanish. We're going to do that a little bit more throughout the morning. Uh, if you're not standing with us yet, why don't you stand? Uh, we are going to continue to sing and praise our God together. Well, hello, good morning. My name is Logan Davis. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to continue our worship by uh, taking communion together this morning. So what is communion? We define communion as an act of remembrance. So Jesus uh, commanded us to take and eat the bread and cup as a practical way um, that we remember his sacrifice on the cross. So I'm going to read from Luke 22 this morning. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So as followers, we believe that communion is something that Jesus set aside specifically for his followers. So we will leave it up to you to decide if you or your family, if you have any, are ready to participate this morning. So let's stand up and grab the elements. Um, and I, while we do so, the band is going to continue to play. Um, once you have grabbed them, come back to your seat and just reflect on Jesus' sacrifice until we have all gathered them together. Looking back into Luke 22, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together and remember his body. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let's take the juice together and remember the new covenant. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to remember um, just what you have done for us uh, on the cross. Just allow us to truly remember uh, your sacrifice um, and just to get a glimpse into um, what that means for us. Uh, and you and our relationship with you, Lord. Um, bring us to worship you uh, with everything that we have. In your name I pray, amen. All right, let's stand back up and continue to worship this morning. All right. Before we move on with the rest of our service, we just want to tell you a little bit about what's going on around here. Uh, my name is Brett. I said that before, but I'll say it again. My name is Brett, and I'm the worship and young adults pastor here at LCC. Uh, and yeah, we've got some exciting things even happening today. Uh, today, directly after the service, uh, we are having an intro to serving meeting right over in the youth area. It's going to be awesome. So if you don't serve anywhere, um, make sure to attend that meeting because it's going to be great. 
Um, also, another announcement that's not on the list is kids. I'm realizing as the Kids Life leaders are looking at me, giving me the, Brett, you forgot to dismiss the kids' eyes. Kids, thank you so much for joining us for worship. You are dismissed to Kids Life. We will see you later. Don't run too fast. We don't want you to trip. Wow. All right, some other things we've got going on. Uh, I think it's a week from this Friday, June 23rd, we're having our summer event, which is going to be amazing. You guys voted on it, and the idea that got the most votes was square dancing. So the staff kind of ran with the whole square theme. Now we've got, like, square dancing, square food, square games. Uh, I don't know. We're having a really fun time planning it. I hope it's, I hope it's as fun as, as that. Um, but please come, even if you are not into dancing, especially square dancing, please come. I promise there will be something for you, even if it's just socializing with your friends. Um, lastly, the past couple of months, we have been having these Renew classes uh, on some of the Wednesdays of the months, going through C.S. Lewis books. And the last one is this, is it this Wednesday, June 21st? I think it's next Wednesday, June 21st. Is that correct? Okay, I'm like, I, thank you, Tom. He would know, he's leading them. Next Wednesday, uh, June 21st, we are going through the book, Till We Have Faces, which is a wild book. I read it when I was in high school, and I'll be honest, totally didn't get it, completely missed it. It wasn't until I read it again, like a couple of years ago, that I got it. So I would recommend coming to this class because it's an amazing book. And I think a good place to digest it would be with other people who actually understand it. So please come to that. It's going to be great. And lastly, I need some help on this last one. Uh, hey, Max, why don't you come down here? We totally didn't plan this or anything. I didn't give him any questions before, beforehand to think about. Uh, Max, why don't you come down here? I'm going to ask Max some questions because, Max, you were baptized a little bit ago. Do you remember when, it, when you were baptized? I'm just going to, we can pass it back and forth, that works better. Okay, so you said a couple years ago, your freshman year in high school. Okay, cool. What was it in your life that made you think, I want to get baptized or I need to get baptized? So definitely a key influence in making my decision to get baptized, because freshman year in high school, like, here was a little bit late, like most of my peers at that point had already probably gotten baptized. I was just a little late to the ball game. Um, I, I just, I, it didn't really feel right to get baptized quickly. I, I don't know why, but didn't. So, but uh, coming out of middle school, middle school is a lot different from high school. I don't know how much you remember from it, but <laughs> it, it's high school is much more wild, and I thought, it was really good to, it was a good time to declare my faith as the foundation of my life, especially in the time of change, which is how I felt with it. Yeah, great. I like what you said there. It was a time to declare, okay, you said it really well. Can you say it again? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I had it in my head. This is why I write everything down. Do you remember what you said? Okay, can you say it again? essentially declare my life, uh, Christ, as the center of my life, the foundation, as I go through a period of change, which is high school. Thank you for saying that again. That was very well worded. I hope somebody else wrote that down because I didn't for the second time. Um, what would you say, Max, to someone who uh, is maybe on the fence about getting baptized? If you didn't know, we are having baptisms next week. Woo-woo. 
It's going to be awesome. It's always an amazing morning. Uh, and Max answered that call and said yes to baptism a couple years ago. But Max, what would you say to someone who is maybe on the fence and they're just not sure if they should get baptized just yet? So as I mentioned, I was a bit later to the ballgame getting baptized, and something that was really important to me was making the decision to get baptized my own. Um, it's, it's a really important step in making your, just making your faith known to other believers. In, in essence, you're declaring it to your fam family in, body, in the body of Christ. So um, just making that very personal step of being out there, being per personal, I think is good. I don't feel rushed. Don't feel pressured into it. I, I think that's really important because, again, this faith journey is your own. You, you want to get closer to God. So I think that's the biggest thing. Thanks, Matt. You can have a seat, man. Thank you so much for coming up here and sharing all that. That's awesome. Uh, let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray uh, before Tom comes up and gives the message. God, we are so thankful um, for the testimonies that we have in you. We thank you for Max, God, um, and his willingness to answer the call in a time of change to declare you just as his Lord and Savior, God, to tell everybody about it through baptism. God, we thank you for that. We ask that you are working in the hearts of everybody here, God. If there's anybody who, who believes in you as their Savior but hasn't been baptized, God, just put it on their hearts to think about it. God, we want to lift up Tom. We want to thank you for him, and we want to ask that you are here with him in this moment, that you are speaking through him as he delivers the message this morning. We thank you for our time of praise and worship. God, please help us never to take that for granted. And it's in your name that we, play, that we pray. Amen. Play, you can play in his name, too. <laughs> Everything you do, you can do in the name of Jesus. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you um, this morning and, uh, and continue our series in the book of Daniel. And, uh, but I want to start by asking uh, a question, well, uh, sharing something and see if anyone knows um, what, what happened on this very significant date, October 21st, 2015. They might know the significance. This is a major cultural event. October 21st, 2015. If I do this, does it help? No, still doesn't help. Some of you see are too young. Okay, this is, you're making me feel, it's, it's okay. If, if you don't know, October 21st, 2015, is the date in Back to the Future 2 that Marty McFly and Doc Brown travel into the future. It was six and a half years ago, right? My math right? Seven and a half years ago. Sheesh, okay? So, uh, 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 but the, the back movie Back to the Future 2, if, you, if you're unfamiliar because you're like, you know, I don't know, still an adolescent, um, it, or <laughs> in your mid-20s. Um, if, if, um, if the movie Back to the Future 2 isn't familiar with you, uh, or to you, let me give it a very, very quick rundown. Um, back to the Future 1, Marty goes back and has to save his own existence by getting his mom and dad together. And in Back to the Future 2, um, there's, there's calamity has taken place because, because um, um, of, of an event, an unforeseen event that caused a major ripple um, but, but the wonderful thing about Back to the Future 2 is that in 1989, they gave us a glimpse of what they thought 2015 was going to look like, okay? And, and uh, it included, um, you know, things like weird helmet hats, um, Jaws is at Jaws 19, you know, as like, 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 
uh, movie franchises taking over to the point that nothing else comes out except, you know, major franchise movies. Um, you know, hovering cars, hovering boards, uh, 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 sh laceless shoes that you just put your foot in them and they, they just lace up for you. And I, many of these things, well, the, the, the movie thing took place, um, but, but most of these things are, are just, were just figments of imagination that didn't come to fruition. Um, but also, um, you know, there's a, a, a hotel magnate uh, casino-owning uh, villain in the movie. Um, I, I, I'll leave that one without, um, without any commentary. But, but the, the, the reason I bring this up is that the, the general plot of the movie is, okay, of Back to the Future 2, and this, I'm sorry I'm spoiling it for some of you, but uh, again, we're talking about like, uh, like almost 40 years now, right, um, that this came out. But the, but the reason this is fascinating is that Marty gets a, he, in, 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 uh, in the future, he gets a, a sports almanac, and it gives all the, the sports results, right? And he winds up, like, they wind up tossing it in the trash, but then the, the villain picks it up and gets in the time machine and takes him back to, like, past him and gives him the sports almanac, and then the villain is able to bet on all the sporting events and make a lot of money and become a villain, Okay. So then the end, that's, that's him, okay? Just some images. All right. My question, <laughs> that was a total waste, right? Because here's the thing. I just want to ask this question. If you could see the future, how would you use that gift, okay? If you could see the future, if you knew what was going to happen, how would you use that gift? Um, I, I've shared up here uh, in the past about, you know, su superpowers and the argument that goes on in our house. No one, no one in our house has picked you know, we've picked super speed and the ability to fly and all kinds of other things. But no one has picked the ability to tell the future, see the future. But that's a pretty powerful gift, right? That's a pretty powerful gift. And if, if you had it, how would you use it? We're actually going to talk about that today. What, what is the, when, 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 when the future is laid in front of us, when we're told what it's, what it's going to be, how, what's, what results from that? How do we, how do we handle that? Because it's, it's in the scriptures that, that this takes place. We're in our series in Daniel, the book of Daniel. We're going to look at chapter 2 today. If you have your Bible and want to turn there, it'll, it'll always be on the screen. But, but, but we're going to look at Daniel chapter 2. And last week, um, Armando got us started, and, and he shared about, about Daniel and some of his countrymen who were, who were taken in exile to, to Babylon, and they, they lived there in exile, and the, the difficult decisions that, that they were forced to make, whether or not they were going to to take uh, uh, from, from the king or whether or not they were going to follow the Lord um, and, 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 and the ways that, like, we may not be called into exile, but, but we're given things in our life and that, you know, that last week was challenged. Like, what do you do when life give you, gives you lemons? Like, what do you do with that, those difficult things? Will we stand in faith or not? And, and today we're going to continue the series looking at, at what happens as we, go th as we go through the book of Daniel. So we just wanna, I want to read this, the, the whole chapter. It's fairly long, but I want to read the whole chapter, pausing occasionally just to kind of give some context to what's going on, and then look back at a few pieces of it. Okay? It's a little different from maybe what we normally do. But, but if, you've got, uh, if you've got it with you, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a long chapter, but we're going to look at it together. Okay? So in Jan Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. Right? And so, so just pausing to understand here, right? Like, like in their culture, they had people who would tell the king the future or tell the people the future. They would predict it. Okay? They, they didn't do it without with 
you know, it wasn't foolproof. It wasn't about, I would say, like, we, we also know in the book of Acts that there were demonic powers that gave uh, someone the, the uh, possibility, the, the, the ability to see the future and tell the future. So this is something that does happen and did happen. Um, I think we still see glimmers of it today, right? Uh, in, in some ways, in the, the, the magical, mysterious sort of things with, with you know, fortune telling and those kinds of things. I think we tend to cast a little bit of a, an, a skeptical eye to that. But we have others, right? Like we have, we, have, we have people that call themselves futurists that try to tell us what the future is going to be like. We have shorts and we have pollsters, right? Like who gather data and try to predict what's going to happen. Like, that we, we still, these are the ki- same kinds of things that we're reading about here that Nebuchadnezzar, he has, he has this dream, but he summons people together to try and, and, and tell him what he, had, what he had dreamed. So it goes on from there, and it says, And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Always start with flattery when, uh, when addressing the king. May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, "Um, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain, I'm going to go on from there. So so serious issues here, right? The king says to them, you need to tell me what my dream means, and I'm not even going to tell you what I dreamt. If you're, it's a test, right? If, you're, if you can authentically tell me what's going to happen, what my dream means, then you're going to be able to tell me what the dream was, okay? Um, but if you tell me the dream and explain, he says, you will receive, the, the, uh, receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret. I, that sounds reasonable, actually, right? Like, this is a reasonable ask. You tell me the dream, we'll, and, and I'll tell you what it means. But keep reading. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time. That makes sense. Um, this is a very just human drama. Um, because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. Ripped into pieces. Okay? This is, a, this is not going to be good. Uh, there's only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me, okay? This is, he's saying, I'll know that your interpretation is right if you can tell me what the dream is. Fair enough. You have special insight if you can tell me the dream. Uh, Going on, verse 10. The the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks, right? This is impossible. There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. For that matter... Um, there's no one who can do it, and it's, it's unreasonable for you to ask. Okay? So, again, I don't disagree with that. Verse 11. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Wrong answer. Okay? The king wants the dream, and he says he's going to cut you to pieces, rip you into pieces. Um, then tell him, tell him, do something. Come up with something. Okay, verse 13. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and, and, and uh, men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends and put them to death. They were from last week in chapter 1. They had been taken into the wise men, the king's counselors, because of, of uh, the good report that was received based on their, their faith. In verse 14, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put, 
to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He used, he used diplomacy, right? He used diplomacy. He spoke to this man with wisdom and, and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then, then Daniel re- returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. This is, this is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? So the, the, the three that were mentioned in chapter 1, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel asked the king for more time, and he uses that time to, to go in and, and, and speak to, uh, to his, his community. Okay? He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So let's, let's pray over this, right? We've got something impossible in front of us. We've got a task, a challenge, something we've been asked to do that no one can do. Let's ask God. Verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He, he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we, a- well, <clears throat> what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. I, I just caught what I did. Yeah. Okay. Advancing the slide. Then Daniel went. Okay, now we're moving on. Verse 24. Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Now, I want to pause here and say this. Okay? Um, if we back up and look at this. Okay? When Daniel gets the interpretation in verse 19, when he's, when he's told what the dream was, okay, it, at this point it doesn't tell us what it is, okay? but it's given to him. But it's given to him. And, and as it's recorded, the first thing that he does is not run to the king and tell him what the dream was and give him the interpretation. Okay? The first thing that he does is not even go to the commander of the guard and say, oh, we got this. The first thing that he does, what it says, is he, he, it was revealed to him in vision, Daniel praised the God of heaven. That's the first thing that he did when he goes through this phrase. So let's keep moving. <clears throat> then he went to, to, to Arioch. In verse 25, Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Okay? He actually... Notice what Daniel does. He reiterates what the astrologer had told the king already. No one can do this. Okay? No one can do it. So, but there's a big but. Okay? There's a big but. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As, for, uh, as, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation, and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, 
an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. So very simple, straightforward. The, the king's dream was of a statue that was made up of these different metals. Okay? It was made, and we'll, we'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. It's this, 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 he has a dream of this, this statue, but then this, the, a stone comes, and it's, it's critical, he says. The stone was not, it wasn't like just a natural avalanche. The stone was not cut by human hands. Okay? And it comes and it topples the, the, the statue, breaking it into, be, into pieces, and those pieces are scattered with the wind. They're scattered with the wind. And where that stone fell became a mountain, and that mountain covered the whole earth. Okay? The mountain covered the whole earth. So that's the dream. And here's what it means. He tells us, right? Your majesty, Daniel goes on, your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. He just says, God has made you very powerful, okay? The God of heaven has given this to you, he says. He's made you very powerful. Wherever they live, he has made you rule over them all. You are the head of gold, okay? So there's this head of gold on this statue. And Daniel looks at, at the king. He's standing in front of him. He says, you are the head of gold. You're, you are powerful. You are present. You are at the top, okay? And, and there's all kinds of imagery of being the head, right? Being able to see and to hear, okay? The, the top, okay? But it, and then he goes on. Verse 39, he says, after you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Okay? Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole world. So he kind of glosses over the silver, right? Like, the, 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 it's there, there's another kingdom, but it's inferior and then there's one of bronze that will rule over the whole earth. And he goes on, finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others, this last one is, is stronger of these ones that are named. This, it, they're not named, but the ones that are identified. This, it, it's of iron. It's very strong. It's going gonna, it's gonna to smash others. And then in verse 41, just as you saw the feet and the toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. At the very end, this kingdom is going to be divided. It's going to have some bronze, uh, I'm sorry, some iron, but it's also going to have clay in its feet. It will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw, saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out from a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. Okay? So this, he says, this, there's these, this statue represents these kingdoms. It's gonna, it represents these kingdoms. A gold, a silver, a bronze, an iron, and then this, this sort of like 
divided kingdom of, of some iron, some clay. There's weakness, but also strength. There's division within it, right? He says, but then there's this, this final thing that comes along, and it's this rock, okay? It's this rock that comes. And this, this rock is, is, is itself is a kingdom that's going to endure forever. It's going to endure forever, right? He wraps it up with this. Then uh, the, the great power, I'm oh, sorry, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. Okay? Your dream, he says, was about the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. He says, this is what's going to happen. You can trust it. Verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate. He, just, he falls in front of him before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering of uh, an incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained in the royal court, right? What God had revealed to Daniel, okay, what God had revealed to Daniel did, it, it, it resulted in greater responsibility for Daniel and, and, and his three friends, right? So, so here's this story, okay? And, and some of us, we, we may be familiar with this, okay? For others, this may be the first time we're coming across this, okay? So here's this, here's this story. Now, there's a couple things that are interesting about this story, and, and uh, I, I do apologize even to some of uh, the translation issues between English and Spanish on this. Some of it is a little awkward. Um, the very beginning of this passage, actually, um, it's one of the few texts in the Old Testament that's not completely in Hebrew. It switches to, um, to Aramaic when, he, when you get into verse 4, okay? And then from here, for several chapters in the book, it's going to be in Aramaic. So there's, there's some, some differences in translation, and it reads differently, okay? It reads differently. So as you're reading along, if you see some differences, that may be because of the, the original change in the original language, okay? But, but the story is essentially that the king has this dream, and he's troubled by the dream. He, and and, and he, he, again, we dream, right? And, and apart from maybe some Freudian psychoanalysis, we tend to just sort of laugh off our dreams. Anybody keeping a dream journal? I don't know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know what's in it. But, 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 but like, we... We don't treat dreams the same way they did in the ancient world. In the ancient world, they believed that when, when they were sleeping, that the gods were speaking to them. This was, it was a commonly held belief, okay? We, we talk about our subconscious, or we talk about, you know, our, our deep psychology, but, but we don't often relate to this in the same way that they would have in the first century context. And so, so the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he has this dream. He assumes it means something because, because of the, the cultural things that he brings to it, and he's troubled by that. He's troubled by what it could mean. And so, he, we, we, you heard the story, right? You heard the story. Not only do I need, want the interpretation, you have to tell me what the dream was to validate that, that your interpretation is the right one. And Daniel is the only one in the land who can do that. Okay? Daniel's the only one in the land who could do that. And I just want to, as we go back through this, like, what are we supposed to do with this? Okay? What are we supposed to do with, with a, a story like this that shows up in our scriptures and we take the scriptures seriously, and yet at the same time, okay, at the same time, I, I, I feel like I have a fairly healthy skepticism about modern-day fortune tellers, okay? We've see, I think we've all seen enough predictions go wrong, okay, enough, enough predictions that people banked on, 
that we, we have seen them, them fail, that, that we have our, I would say, a well-earned like, um, 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 cynicism about the predictors and the predictions, okay? And, and so I want to, as we, as we wrestle with this, okay, when I ask just what, like, what do we do with it and what is it about? What is it about? Um, and, and, and just a couple ideas this morning related to this, this notion of, of God telling someone what, what will be. God telling someone what will be. And, and we're setting this up, too, because the book of Daniel is going to come back to predictive prophecy a lot. There's going to be repeated passages where we're going to look at God giving a view to his, his prophets. God giving a view of what will be. Okay? And so today I want to lay, uh, lay a foundation. And I want to start by simply saying this. I want to make some, some, uh, some, a few things clear about where we are and what, the way we ought to be looking at this. And the first thing that we ought to do, just like Daniel, is that Daniel understood that only God reveals mysteries. Okay? Only God reveals mysteries. See what he said when, when, um, when uh, he brings us to Nebuchadnezzar. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You know, and it is a significant power. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to have the power of being able to tell the future? Think about any big decision that you've had to make or any moment in time that, that there's, a, that there's a, 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 a fork in the road, a time to, to, to choose, or, or we just need more information in order to move confidently in the direction where maybe we're already headed. It would be great to have some reinforcement here to know that this is right. Or to know for sure that I need to hit the brakes and turn around and go the other way. Okay? That would be great. But you see, this is, there's only the, the first part of this is that God reveals, but the second part of this is that he does so for his own purposes. Okay? God reveals the mystery, but he does so for his own purposes. You see, the problem with us, or the problem with, you know, like the predictive power of Back to the Future, is that it was used for, for some other purpose, Right? And it actually is, is a tragic tale of what happens when we try to do that, okay? Or what, what can happen if we actually did have the almanac, right? The sports almanac. So, but, but, but who wouldn't want, like, who wouldn't want to, to know who's going to win every sporting event? Who wouldn't want to know what the winning lottery numbers are, right? Like, who wouldn't want to know that, that who, who's going to win the election? But the issue is, is that, that, that it's only God who knows those things. And he's revealed to us only what we need to know. Right? It's only God who knows those things, and he's revealed to us only what we need to know, and, but, and he reveals it for his purposes. He reveals them for his purposes. You see, when we tend to do this, we, we want to know the future for, usually for some sort of selfish gain. We want to know the future for some side. Well, we've laughed about financial profit, right? But what about just like advancement at the personal level? Security. A sense of knowing the danger that lies ahead. We can talk about political gain, right? But God reveals, and when he reveals, he reveals for his own purposes, right? It's God who reveals, and he reveals for his own purposes. And one of the things I want to say at the, about that at this point is, is that, you know, we, we live at a point in time where we're, we're trying to get glimpses. Forget about glimpses a moment ahead, or, or like years ahead. We're trying to get glimpses just a moment ahead. Like, what's even tomorrow going to bring? Where can I invest my, maybe money, but just my time and energy for, 
tomorrow. And I want to bring up another major point that comes up in this section, okay? Moving here. Is that history is full of kings and kingdoms. There's a lot of kings and kingdoms out there, okay? There's, there, there's, there's, a, there's all kinds of kingdoms, and, and here's the, the passage that we get here. The, just one, in one verse, the kingdoms are sort of summarized in the vision, right? The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly, thighs of bronze. Its legs and iron of iron. Its feet partly iron and partly bay clay. There it is in one verse summary. That's the statue that you saw. It represents different kingdoms, okay? It represents different kingdoms. And I'm going to just lay this out. And if you've been in certain camps, you've probably seen stuff like this, right? Images and visions of it. By the way, I think everything up there is for sale somewhere. Um, you, can, you can buy it. In fact, uh, the three statues together are literally statues of this. I, I, I wish I'd found it about a week earlier. I would have bought one, okay, and had it here. Um, but, but like, like, here's the thing. Um, I don't know, and the scriptures don't tell us exactly which kingdoms are supposed to be represented in this. And there's great debate about it, okay? If you can get a close eye up here, some think that, you know, that it's, it's Nebuchadnezzar. The only one that's revealed is Nebuchadnezzar at the top in gold, and then is the next one just the Medes? And the, the, well, that the Persians, and then the Greeks, or the Greeks at the bottom, and, or does Rome somehow get in there? And he, We're not told, right? That we're not told. We can look back and sort of draw some conclusions, but i got to be honest with you. You read five different scholars on this, you're going to get five different answers, okay? You're going to get five different answers. The point, and, and, and if we needed to know it, I promise you God would have told us. If we needed to know who each one was, I promise God would have told us, okay? Now, I don't want to cop out either, okay? Because I think that what this is doing, and it's going to be related to where we go next, I think that this ends, I think this ends with the divided Greek empire, okay? Because of what we see next, right? Because of what we see next. Um, but but there's, 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 there's kings and kingdoms have come and gone. And, and some of these, the, these, these periods of time represent, honestly, very short periods, just maybe a few decades, if we look at this, the, the different parts of the statue. Some of it represents hundreds of years and vast areas of land, okay? But, the, but here's the truth about each one of them. They all came and went, right? Every one of them came and went. And what happened? See, the kingdom of God through Jesus reigns over them all. That's what this is about. Okay? I want to be careful when we look at this and the power of prediction because it's very easy for us to want to take the power of prediction from the Bible and hold it in our hands and try to say things about it, about our present condition, about our present life. Though that it definitely means this or it definitely means that. But the truth is that what happens to the statue is that while, while Nebuchadnezzar was watching it, a rock was cut out and not a rock by human hands. This is not a rock of this earth. It wasn't just one more big country. It wasn't, it wasn't the almighty power of some ism, capitalism, socialism, take your pick, that came along. This was not cut by human hands. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay, and it smashed them. It didn't stop with the iron and the clay at the bottom. The iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all of the kings, all of the kingdoms were scattered to the wind. They were insignificant. 
but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain, and it filled the whole earth. It filled the whole earth. You see, what we're looking at is these, these kingdoms have been blown away. We get wowed by history's conquests, and we get focused even on our present day matters of, of power and control and kings and kingdoms and, and geopolitics and these things that we find so fascinating, but there's a, there's a, a huge but in this that we need to acknowledge. We get focused on the temporary political kingdoms of the day. But the rock that becomes the mountain, the thing that rules them all, is the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, who is the rock. That's the thing. That's the thing. Now, it may seem obvious to us when we're sitting in church it may seem perfectly clear to go, of course, Jesus is the rock. Of course, he's bigger than all the kings and the kingdoms. But man, when we're, when we're scrolling online and we're wrapped up with what's happening right now, and I'm not even here to say that those things aren't unimportant, but I am here to say that they are not most important. Do you hear the difference? Those, those empires, those kings and kingdoms that came and went, some of them inflicted great harm on people. Others of them blessed people. And that has meaning, and it's real, and it matters. Okay? But, but, the most important thing, the essential thing that we need to get from this is that over and above all of those kings and all of those kingdoms, and no matter no matter what the future may hold when it comes to power and who wields it, there is only one king, ultimately. And his name is Jesus, right? His name is Jesus. And he, he shatters all the rest of the kings and the kingdoms, and they get scattered to the wind. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming next if our faith is in Christ. We do have to fear if we put our faith in the power of one of those kings or kingdoms to, to save us, to, 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 to give us life. But they don't have the power to do it. Only the rock does. Right? Only the rock does. So what do we do with this? We praise God for all of it. Okay? We praise God for all of it. Think about the situation, the circumstance, and Armando brought this up, the, the larger context, Daniel is still in exile. He believes that, that God's promise is still intact. And yet his life, it got better towards the end of this, but his life is still, he's, he's essentially a foreign slave. Right? But look at what he does. I mentioned this before, but just to wrap this up, I'm going to call the, the band down. We're going we're gonna to do this in just a moment, okay? We're going to do this together. We're going to praise God for all of it. Because look at what Daniel does when he's given the understanding of what the, the, the dream is and the vision is before we're even told in the Scripture what it is. Look at what he says. He says, it says, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel Praise the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Praise the God who exists forever. He own, wisdom and power are his. 
All power, all wisdom belong to him. He changes times and season. He holds time in his hands. That's what Daniel says about this guy. How does this sound even against the likes of Alexander the Great or the Caesars? Or This God, he's the one who turns the calendar for us. He, set, he, he deposes kings. He kicks them out. He raises up others. All power, all kingdoms belong to him. He gives wisdom and wise and knowledge. Uh, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge and discerning. All wisdom, all knowledge comes from him. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness. There's no secrets from him. Daniel says, I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. Because now, he says, you've shared it with me. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. God, God shine, was shining light on the truth for Daniel. What, how do we respond to the, to the reality that God is in control and the, the one kingdom that, that, that matters, that is real, is the kingdom of God and the king is his son, Jesus? How do we respond to that? Well, Daniel praised God. And it wasn't even just Daniel, right? Because what happened when Daniel told this to Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan king? What did the pagan king do? Look at what he said. He said, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this. It's your God, Daniel. Even Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged and gave praise to the God who's real. So we're just going to sing. We're going to sing together. And I'm going to ask you to do it with us. Because the appropriate response to the truth that there is one king in one kingdom is to acknowledge it in worship, to acknowledge it in praise to God. So let me pray, and then we're going we're gonna to sing together. God, we, we praise you and thank you for who you are and what you've done. And I'm just awed by the reality that that in all that you know and all the strength that you have and who you are and your holiness, you, you've seen fit to share your life with us. And um, we want to acknowledge it's, it's not us, it's not ours, it's, it's all you. It's all you. Help us to see it more. Um, show, us, show us how we can... <laughs> how we can praise you in the midst of us, in the midst of it. And we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. He sure is worthy of our worship. Amen. Before you guys head out, I wanted to remind you, we have intro to serving in the youth area. If you've ever wondered what it looks like to serve, Monica is going to be over there and would love to talk to you. And then thinking about Jesus establishing his kingdom now and forever. One thing he said before he left was to charge his disciples to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you want that calling, if you want to declare your faith publicly, come talk to us about baptism. Right down here, a couple minutes after service. We'd love to celebrate that with you next Sunday. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you in groups.